0: Celebrate celebrate the presence of the Lord For he is worthy
1: Thank you for another year. (laughs) You brought us through the past years, and now we're starting in a new year. New elevations, new levels, new challenges. And Lord, we just thank you. We wouldn't want to make it through this year without you.
0: Amen.
1: Yes, Lord, you are victory, O God we even thank you for the new victories coming.
0: Yes. Right. Yeah. The accomplishments. Right. Yeah.
1: The Lord, as this new year is here, we ask so that you have let our ears eyes and our hearts be even more receptive to what you're saying and what you're asking us to do that we would be aware of your move at all times and Lord just let us be even more obedient to your word Father and more obedient to your direct commands and instructions for us. For our steps are ordered. May your kingdom be even more established this year on the earth. Thank you Thank you. There are mics at the front. At the rear of the sanctuary. And if the Lord is placing something on your heart to speak, scripture, prophetic words, please feel free to approach one of the mics and share what the Lord has placed on your heart. Thank you, Father, for water main breaks in the intimate part of the house. Thank you, Father, that you're drawing us closer. It's a good thing. You're doing a thing. A new thing, but not a new thing. The inward workings. The inward workings that haven't been seen are now going to be seen, revealed. The fullness of what is coming, the fullness of what is taking place will be revealed. So be open, eyes wide open, ears attentive for those things that were hidden are now going to be revealed.
0: go, I'll go, what you say, I'll say, what you pray, I'll pray, what you pray, What you pray, I'll pray, where you go, I'll go, what you say, I'll say, God, what you pray, I'll pray, what you pray, I'll say,
2: You know, I think, I think every year this time we think of our stories and we look back and then we look forward and all of this. And I read every year on the, the first or the second. I read through my journals from the past year. And I've had a lot of, there's been a lot of things that have gone on. And I know my life's no different than anyone else. But um, I came across a verse and a passage that goes along with this. It talks about Stephen's story. Stephen in Acts and it says uh, in chapter 7 and he said hear me brethren and fathers the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him leave your country and your relatives and come into the land I will show you then he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran from there after his father died God had him move to this country in which you are now living But he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot of ground. And yet, even when he had no child, he promised that he would give it to him as a possession and to his descendants after him. And I think about that part of the story of we listen and we hear and we do what God says. And um, I looked in the beginning. I forgot what my plan was for last year. And it was keep keep planting. Uh, That was the word at the beginning of the year. But I in the journal entry of uh, March 16th I was just getting ready to start a new job I'd been delivered from the old and I had read that Acts 7-3 and I said Stephen before he was killed addresses the crowds but this is my story and this is your story Um, so God heard and hears our cries for deliverance Um, God finds us the next place he will find your next place he found mine and the next role, God prepared and prepares me for the next thing. He will do the same thing for you. I can, I can back that up with a Bible verse everywhere. <laughs> God helped and helps me. He helps all of us in doing whatever jobs we have for him uh, for his glory. God is in my life, past, present, and future. And then I ended this morning with with uh, hold on. more about the promised land. So this was in May, May of last year, Um, and I'm talking about where did the weekend go? This is around Mother's Day, and here we are in the beginning of another week, and here we are in the beginning of another year. So you can see I'm blending my past and my future here. In the beginning, God created. So this is the beginning of a new year. He creates in the middle too, and at the end, in His circular cyclical way of giving everyone and everything second chances at renewal. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Genesis twenty-nine through thirty is more on the beginnings of a promise to Abraham, to us, in the fulfillment of which we, all the world, will, would, and are be blessed through Jesus Christ the Son.
3: We thank you for 2023. We thank you that you go before us and you create our destinies and our paths. In remembrance of your promises and your covenant with us, we decree Deuteronomy 28. As we fully obey the Lord our God and follow all his commands, his words (laughs) that he gives us, The Lord our God is setting us high above all the nations on the earth. And all these blessings will come and overtake his people and accompany us. We'll be blessed in the city. We'll be blessed in the country. The fruit of our winds will be blessed. The crops of our land, the young of our livestock, the calves of our herd, the lambs of our flocks, our banking accounts, our checking accounts. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. And the Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but they'll flee before you in seven. And the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. That's called by the Lord. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. And he will continue to establish you as his holy people. As he promised you on oath, that as you obey him and walk in obedience to him, Then all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. And the Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the land he swore to you, to your ancestors to give you. And the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. So do not turn aside from the words of the Lord. Do not follow other lords, other gods, but only the Lord God. Thank you, Father. We love you. We thank you your word is true. We thank you, God, that we believe you. We believe your word. And we go forward into 2023 with your covenant firmly established in us for your glory and your kingdom, Father. May you be lifted high.
4: Do not dwell on your yesterday any more than I do, but draw close to me in this day. Do not dwell on tomorrow
5: until tomorrow becomes today. If you will draw close to me, close to me, close to me in this day, I will
6: walk with you when tomorrow becomes today.
5: But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as
6: unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil.
5: So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is.
4: gain is here. We need to always keep scriptures in our heart and in our mind because that's the only solid thing that we really have to depend on is the scripture the word of God. It will never fail. It will never leave us. The scriptures in Psalm 27 My heart shall not fear, though war may rise against me In this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I would seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in this temple. For in the time of trouble which we are in, much time now. He will hide us in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high up on a rock, and my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his temple. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord.
0: Yeah.
7: reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty and we all who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. In reading verse 17 again. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In, the, in Acts chapter 2 and in Joel chapter 2, it says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And he continues with other things he said. Where his spirit is, is freedom. That's deliverance. We are about to see we're about to be witnesses and, and participants in this. We've already had the two witnesses of the first covenant and second covenant, because the word says that. We're going to walk through it. We're going to see it. We, it this is beginning to open now, and we will see it personally, corporately, eventually politically. But it will be national and international also because it's just on all people. We get to see that.
8: Well, I had a word this morning, a little word that was so... I felt like I was hearing it so accurately, and I tried to write it down word for word. And I thought... Maybe I would share it this morning, you know, and it had to do with God being the author of liberty and this startling statement that he made about how my anointing flourishes in liberty. It was just amazing stuff. And so I left it on the table and I thought, well, I'm off the hook. (laughs) It just so happens. I turned to my Bible, Jeremiah 34. And he said, you have not obeyed me in proclaiming release, liberty, freedom, each man to his neighbor, each man to his brother. Behold, I proclaim liberty for you <laughs> over pestilence and famine and, and bondage. Woo! I, the Lord, will make you a terror to all the people. Why? Because you have liberty. Oh, that terrifies the left. That terrifies those that are in bondage to their own flesh. Liberty is threatening to them. Father, I just thank you this morning that we have liberty. And I declare it over this congregation. I declare it over every city and town that is represented here. I declare liberty and freedom. And a a lack of bondage this morning, in Jesus' name, we are
5: the free of the Lord.
8: Amen and amen.
5: Glory be to God. I have a word about freedom and liberty as well. Anybody else have anything? Hearing something specific?
9: year, no doubt, 2022. But I want to share with you, there's a number of people that have come alongside all of us, right? Joe, you know this, and Renee knows, that are more determined than ever before to move past um, the status quo, I guess, and to fight for what's right. Uh, And uh, we're starting to see, and it's a little scary, Joe knows how I feel about this, that people that I I'm starting to see in the spirit. <laughs> it's like, and uh, it's um, it's it, it's um, an unsettling thing. I'm sure as I kind of focus on it and, and read more about it and things, but starting to see people's soul. Like I'm looking at you, Joe, and you're just covered with flowers and sunflowers mm-hmm. and stuff like some birds are tweeting like a Disney movie. It's true. <laughs> But people that I loved and cared for for many years, their skeletons are coming out while I look at them. And um, and it's, wow, and it says, even the very elect will be deceived, right? And so now we're starting to see people that would tell us lies because the devil is great at telling lies. I mean, they they relish in telling lies to see if they can con you and you can believe them. And it's like... I was staying so steadfast in how I feel about when these people are trying to manipulate me and control me. But we're moving forward, Joe. I mean, we're going to. I just adore you, and I adore Renee, and I adore this congregation for your steadfastness. You know, and if it wasn't for all of you, I wouldn't have the strength that I have because I'm going to start pushing hard, making a few enemies. You know, people will say to me that God. You're not supposed to fight. You're not supposed to have division. You're supposed to. But, you know, when you're trying to destroy our country, I don't care what you call yourself. But whatever you're trying to do, God wants us to fight. God wants to call them out. And um, all five foot one of me is going to do that this year. So, anyway, it's going to be a pleasure working with all of you. It's going to be a good army. We've got a war to fight. And I'm glad that I've got an army and a general. Thank you.
5: Hey, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. A- anybody else? Mm. Liberty, freedom. How many of you uh, just need somebody to pray for you? Whether it's sickness, a disease you're dealing with, discouragement, a loss, you just need somebody to pray with you. Anybody? Perfect. Amen. Let's do this for the next few minutes. Could everybody participate? There's two hands that were raised. You can pray for them. Just pray for one another. You know, just tell somebody what your need might be. Let them pray for you. You pray for them. Can we do that? Can we be uncomfortable and do it? Like now, three, two, one, go. You guys were too quick. I was trying to find something to speak about this morning. Can, can you give me a few more minutes? Just kidding. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. I'm really, and this is just personal, so don't take this to yourself, you know, because we can all think differently and believe differently and still get along. And um, I, I just don't put a lot into the New Year stuff anymore, um, especially when years ago I came on Revelation to find out we're on the wrong calendar anyway. So, so I just don't uh, put a lot into it anymore. But I did go to bed at 10.15 last night and woke up in a different year, and it was pretty weird, I'll have to tell you. Sarah Hoffman's first day as our new administrator... Please give her a hard time today. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I heard this this morning um, while we were just focusing on the Lord. True freedom is internal, and only when experienced internally is liberty realized. Let me read that again. True freedom is internal. Only when experienced internally is liberty realized. Liberty is a freedom that's external. That's the liberty to move, to go from one state to another, the freedom of speech, everything that's external, uh, to, to worship as we see fit. All of these, all of the, you know, the Bill of Rights are all external, and they're, they're liberty. But true freedom is freedom of the heart. That's what Jesus came to do: is to set people men free to loose them for whatever binds them sin was the number one thing there's hurts and there's wounds and there's all kinds of internal uh things that that god wants us completely free from much of what we see in the world today is a result of brokenness in the heart it's the brokenness on the inside and it because that manifests externally as well but true freedom our, our country and our constitution and the freedom that we enjoy, um, and, and John Adams said this too, that it, it doesn't work for a people that are non-religious and immoral. It doesn't work because of the responsibility um, of freedom. Uh, just, I'm just thinking of property, that I respect my property, but I also, because I have morals and ethics, I respect your property. Um, and it doesn't work when we, you have an immoral, unethical uh, people, freedom, and it, it really has, it really opens up a bed uh, really for uh, tyrannical people to come in and take control. And this is really what we're fighting against, right? External, but also internal, for the for the hearts of men to be completely and totally free because you can be in the worst situation on life externally but be free on the inside and that means that means everything Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a really good point, And it's part of what uh, what I wanted to talk about today. And I'm hoping, you know, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time our messages are interactive. And, and I'm hoping to have some of that today uh, to hear your thoughts as well on this. And so I've got several different things that uh, in, in which most of them came to me just this morning as we were focusing on the Lord. I don't know if this is true for you or not, but it certainly is for me. And one of the reasons I really enjoy doing it, when we take that 30, 40 minutes and we're just, you know, the band's playing, we're focused on the Lord. The Lord talks to me. Uh, You know, I'm writing stuff down all of the time. Some of it I'll talk about, others I have to ponder on some. Does that happen to anybody else, here? And we, uh, you know, the reason why we have microphones up again is not that we can just get up and say whatever we Want to say it's it's really to to speak forth what we're hearing from the Holy Spirit, but it's also a safe place to practice that because I'm not always um, perfect and hit it right on the, the nail on the head every time. Uh, but you don't you don't get more and more accurate by hearing what God has to say without practicing it. You you just don't. And uh, the more people are used to it here in this safe environment the The main reason is, is when you're at the grocery store and you hear something from the Lord, you can you can speak it forth to the clerk or to somebody else, or praying for somebody, or giving them a word, and you never know how you're watering what God's already planted in their heart and their journey along the way, because most of the most ministry is not done within the four walls of a church service, although the church would like the, you to think that, but it doesn't. It it should be a training place so when we're doing it most of the time out there because really we only spend what 2 2 hours 4 hours at most if you come both Sunday and Wednesday and you spend a lot copious amount of hours in other places and hopefully that includes work but you know I'll leave that up to you so I want to talk about a couple different thoughts uh while I'm on that line of prophesying and decreeing and speaking uh what we're hearing Because sometimes we get into these molds, um, these mindsets, that this is the way things are done. Okay? So, for instance, um, from the moment I was born again, I was initiated into charismatic-type church service. And I've been in that circle for the entire time. I grew up – oh, by the way, when you said you saw birds around me and all of that – I, I'm afraid to admit this, but I'm going to do it anyway. What it reminded me of when I was in New York and in grade school, I had a jean jacket, and on the back of my jean jacket was a big patch by mom sewed on it of Tweety Bird. Tweety Bird was on. The, can you see me going around with a jean jacket and Tweety Bird on a? <laughs> but anyway, I digress severely. Um. Anyway, we get into these molds of like, uh, you know, and and growing up from the time I was born again in charismatic circles and seeing how things are done. Because that's how we learn, right? We learn some by, you know, somebody standing up and and teaching. But we learn mostly by watching, observing, you know, and then practicing it ourselves. all of those kinds of things. And so it takes a variety of of means for us to really understand and learn some things. But we learn in church circles by watching. And and most of the time, and even today, it's very popular when, when it's prophecy or a decree. And we're practicing it here, too. Is somebody stands up and gives a word. But because Jesus really is our mentor and he's our example, I want to ask you this question. How did Jesus prophesy? Because I don't know of one time that he got up in front and, and prophesied a word like we do it today. Now, the first time he did it was when he got, went to synagogue and he was handed the scripture, a scroll, and Isaiah was open and he read part of that verse, which Dale alluded to this morning as well. And he closed it and handed it back. That was a prophetic word through the scripture that he handed that he was handed and he and he spoke about what was happening right then. So that's a way that Jesus did it. What are some other ways Jesus did it? Yeah, and he didn't necessarily do it in the manner we do it. In other words, he didn't stand up and say, "Thus saith the Lord," or "The Lord is saying." Not that that's wrong. But I'm thinking of two main ways that he prophesied. And when I say prophesied, to me, when I when I use the word prophecy or prophesy, mostly it's not always talking about um, coming events, future. It's it is saying what you're hearing the Father say. That being that, that's prophetic. Being prophetic. He did it in conversation, and he did it in his teaching. Isn't that interesting? In normal conversation, and when he got up to teach, he was giving a prophetic word. Because the scripture tells us he only—we sang a song today that says the same thing. He only said what he heard the Father say, and he only did what he saw Him do. The third way is by acts—the things he actually did were prophetic in nature. All I'm trying to do want to do is and continually and have been for several years is to break us out of this church mold, this church mindset of this is the way it's done. That, well, how did Jesus do it? He did it in everyday stuff, right? As he's going about, he prophesied, but he didn't stop and just, you know, start speaking in tongues and start shaking and say, thus says the Lord. No, he did it as he's hearing, he speaks. As he's seeing, he acts. This is how the will of the Father gets accomplished in the earth. You all are really quiet on me. Yes, Steve. Hmm. Yeah, that'd probably be good. good. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Tony. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) So how did Jesus do things? And if you haven't done this, and I've recommended it several times over the years, it's a really good study, is study every red letter in your Bible. Everything Jesus said. And then also study everything Jesus actually did. And just focus on that. It's a great, great study. It, you'll change the way you think about some things. Like I promise you. Did you have something, to In Genesis chapter 15, we find the covenant that God made with Abram. In the first verse, he says, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. That's a good word right there, isn't it? Uh, we can smile, we can jump up and down, and we can shout on that one. Verse 5 says, He took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars. If you're able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. I mean, the man has no child yet and God says, look, at you aren't even going to be able to count your posterity. That's a good word. We can smile and jump up and down and hallelujah on that. Then verse 13, God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed four hundred years. Oh, yay. Yeah. Can you imagine this? Hearing this, God's making a covenant, a blood covenant, with you. He said, "I'm going to be a shield to you. I'm going to be a reward. You don't have any children right now, but you're going to, and your posterity is. You're going to have so many you can't it's, you can't count it. By the way. They're going to be in a land that they don't own. They're going to be oppressed and enslaved for four centuries. Now, the charismatic circles I came out of hearing something like that, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) That ain't God. God's trying to get, Satan's trying to get right in the middle of my stuff here, my covenant, my glory time with God. And here comes Satan trying to tell me about what's going to happen. Not only heck no, but you know the no. But this was God saying this. He didn't even tell Abram, but if you pray for them, this won't happen. If you decree from the mountaintop, this won't happen. Now, this was a very matter of fact. This is going to happen. There was no way of escaping this. God didn't say, but Abram, if you do this, if you live right, if you act right, if you go to church every time the doors are open, if you pray for four hours every day. Nope. this is what's going to happen. Boy, American Christianity is so different from biblical Christianity. It's frightening. I have to speak the truth as I know it, which means I don't know all truth and I can be wrong. I know that's shocking. As I'm presenting it. Huh? It might have happened happened one time. Yeah, way back. (laughs) And I don't think I can be labeled a feel-good preacher. I don't think that would be a title that I've ever been given. And my purpose when I stand up to preach is not to make you feel better. It's not. doesn't mean I don't want you to feel better. But that isn't my purpose. My purpose is only to speak what I'm hearing from the Lord as best as I can. And I can make errors and be incorrect in doing it. I prophesied in 2020 that we are entering into a decade of trouble. We are now two years in and that has proven to be correct so far. So I'm going to tell you now 2023 is not going to be any different. Neither is the rest of this decade. We are in a storm. We are in a war and it isn't going to let up. So if you think it is You're not going to be prepared. And I want you and everyone in this congregation to be prepared for what we're about to face. I was given, and I've referenced these many times, but I was given, and this goes back five, six, seven years ago or more, a series of dreams. And I want to mention four of them to you. They didn't happen night after night, but I'd have one here and a few months later I'd have another. But before I do, I want you to know this if you don't already. It is difficult sometimes to interpret dreams. I know that's shocking. No matter what, whether it is a word we hear, a dream, a vision, or scripture, we are always, without a doubt, 100% of the time, going to need the Holy Spirit
0: Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah.
5: to reveal what we're seeing and hearing. We're not going to be able to do it any other way. We can't pull a bunch of friends, although we may have some friends that really hear accurately, and that could help. We're not going to be able to go to a dream book and say this symbol always means this, because it doesn't. Sometimes, you know, uh, uh, Satan is referred to as a lion and so is Jesus. We've got to have discernment on what we're seeing, what we're hearing. And that can only come from the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing. The second thing is, and here's where I I get tripped up a lot, personally. I just want to be honest with you. When I have a dream or a vision or I hear something, and you could probably relate to this. And you start to get some understanding. You get excited about it, right? Because God's showing you something and He's revealing something to you. Well, here's where uh, I still need to grow for certain in. Not only in interpretation, but many times, I automatically, without thinking about it, think that the dream is for now. For the very present. And I'm learning more and more that sometimes God tells us years in advance. Wednesday night when we typically sit in a circle and that's what we're, you know, we're praying in the spirit and other tongues. We're listening to what God will prophesying things. Sometimes what God might say in there isn't for today, isn't for this year or even next year or this decade. Because there's always timing involved with the Lord. And so some of these dreams I tried to interpret within my present context. And, and you can make them fit. Just like Scripture. You can, you can make Scripture say whatever you, you can tailor it to what you believe. Now how do we know this? Because God has said a lot of things in Scripture, written it down for us that still hasn't happened yet. He said things thousands of years in advance. When Jesus talked about the temple coming down, that was a couple decades later. Yeah, 70 A.D. That was 70 years later. I said a couple decades. That would be almost seven decades. Just like, you know, you Midwesterners. It just happened the other day. It could have been 50 years ago, but it just happened the other day. <laughs> when I moved from New York, that was one of my ones just the other day. It just it didn't make sense to me being from the East, but anyway. One of the dreams I want to mention is a gas dream, and the gas dream showed gas at 289 that went to 765 as I drove down the street. It just jumped, just like that. I knew then, as I know now, it had really not much to do with gas, although there is some relevance there. But what it had to do with was once change would begin, it was going to happen rapidly. When you read in Revelation, or even actually a lot of the scripture, when it talks about like soonness, I'm coming back soon, or events are going to happen, there's a sense there in the Hebrew that once prophetic meaning future now events start to happen, they were going to happen rapidly. That's scripture. It's not that it's happening soon now like it's going to happen next week, but in the in the space of time, once they begin, we would see things happen very, very fast. And that's what this dream, and this was probably seven or eight years ago. I had a sinking ship dream. The message from that was things are not what it appears to be. And I know I've talked, those of you that have been here for a while, I've talked about these dreams so many different times. But things are not what it appears, because that's actually in the dream what the, what the Lord spoke to me. When I was watching a sinking ship and he said, it's not what it appears to be. I had a car dream. I haven't talked about this one very much. Notice how many dreams these are that are some kind of type of conveyance. And I had a train dream too. So I had a ship, train, and a car dream. But I'm not going to talk about the train one right now. I had a car dream that... We were go we were we being whatever, New Covenant or the group I was with were being forced to go in another direction that we were not intending to go. And then I had another ship dream. This was not a thinking ship dream, and I've talked about this one probably the most. And in, in this ship dream we were headed for a storm. And I remember thinking I'm gonna turn to go around this storm and I felt a hand on my left shoulder and I turned and it was Jesus Himself standing there and He said, I'll tell you when to turn. And the dream was over. So I knew we were going in the storm. Whatever that storm was, well, we entered it. And it isn't over. (laughs) One of the things that I have learned from the Lord is if he ever tells me to do something, which he has, he will equip me to do it. If he tells us that we're going into a storm, then he's going to equip us to go into the storm and come out the other side. You remember Jesus told his disciples, he sent them in the boat and he said, I'm going to meet you on the other side. He didn't go with them. And there was a storm and they thought they were going down. But what happened? They experienced the storm. There was suffering involved. Emotions were involved. But there was no loss of life. And they did make it to the other side. We had many prophetic words here in this congregation, some on Sunday, most on Wednesday. If you have not received any new orders from the Spirit of God, keep doing what He told you last. Regardless of what it looks like, of what it feels like, keep doing what He told you to do. Because many of the things He told you to do wasn't for today necessarily. It could be for tomorrow. Just keep doing it. Keep moving forward. This is where we are tested. Where patience and endurance and faith come from. In our country... We have been very isolated to the effects of Christianity worldwide. Many today are losing their life. They're suffering imprisonment and horrible torture in different parts of the world just because they're Christian. In our country, we have been really respected as Christians for the most part. It's not a cultural negative. We have been blessed beyond measure in this country because of the freedoms. Well, we are a Christian nation. doesn't mean we have a lot of Christians. doesn't even mean we have a lot of Christians running this nation or any. <laughs> because being a Christian anymore doesn't really even mean a whole lot. name. But because of this, I believe we have fostered, fostered, fostered an unhealthy and unbiblical mindset of true Christianity. It's interesting to me, and I'm talking about myself too, how we seem to always think everything's going to be a bed of roses. And God's going to keep us from any type of suffering. When there is no scriptural evidence of that at all. What He has promised us, and the seven letters of Revelation are really good about this, As a matter of fact, I'm going to read the one, just a portion of this, to the letter of Smyrna. And here's what Jesus said to them. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful unto death. He didn't say, hey, but call a prayer meeting and fast and pray and you'll escape it. No, he said, this is going to happen to you. But continue to be faithful, even when faced with death. Because what He has promised us is to escape the second death, not escape the first death. And that's the one that matters.
0: <laughs>
5: See, in our reality, we think it's just all about this life, and uh, no, it's not. It's about eternity. And we stepped into eternity when we were born again. Hebrews ten thirty two through 39 says, remember the former days when after being enlightened. In other words, as, as soon as you got born again, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations. And partly by becoming shares with those who were so treated. Has that happened to any one of you in the United States of America? Were we stripped naked and drugged through the streets? Stuck on a pole and lit to light pathways of heathens? Has the FBI come to your house and drug you out just because you're a Christian and you have a Bible and thrown you into a dungeon? We've been so isolated in this country. And we have erected a false reality that's unbiblical. I'm not saying that it was a curse to us. No, it's a great blessing. My hope is the entire world would... Enjoy the freedoms the United States has has enjoyed. I'll continue reading in this passage. Verse 34 says, For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Has any of you had your property stolen by the government? Merely for the fact that you're Christian, not yet, well, many Christians have way before us. Here's just a few more scriptures, second corinthians one five for just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance. This always gets hallelujahs and excitement, and let's sing praises to this. Romans 8.18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What's that saying? matter of fact, didn't God tell Cornelius when he told him, Cornelius, to go lay hands on the Apostle Paul, who was a persecutor of the way? Then he tell him, he goes, you go do this, Cornelius, like, ah, this guy here, no, you know, you go, I'm, go to him. Because God said this, I'm going to show him how much he's going to suffer for me. How often is that preached? Let me ask you a question before I go much further. What is God's main purpose with us? Not just Christians, but with the globe, with the world. What's his main purpose? Why did he create us? Let me put it that way. Fellowship for, for his good pleasure. To worship him, to have intimacy with him, for koinonia, right? Intimate, personal intimacy with him, to know him. So therefore, once sin entered the world, what's his? what was his first priority? To redeem us back, send Christ. To pay for our redemption. God says, I I want none to perish, but to all to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You don't have to raise your hands, but this was true with me. How many of us were at the bottom of the barrel before we reached up and accepted Christ? typically most people don't accept Christ when everything's well kids are acting be behaving well grandkids are the house is paid off we got money and everything's just working it's typically when there's trouble and we don't know where else to go we we've, we've suffered some kind of a loss before we reach out how is the book of revelation going to play out Well, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you this. It doesn't say that the kingdom of heaven is going to be on earth before Jesus returns and sets it up. It doesn't say it's going to be a bed of roses. It does say Babylon's going to be rebuilt. We are under a Babylonian system now, even though Babylon the city hasn't been rebuilt. It does say we're going to have a one world economy with a one world currency that we're gonna people are going to have to receive a mark to buy and sell. It does say that right, or am I making this up? Is this another Bible? It does say there's going to be a one-world ruler. See, all of that, this Babylonian system, is a perversion and a a demonic substitute counterfeit for the kingdom of heaven being set up. That's one of the reasons why I'm excited about what, what I'm seeing. Because we're seeing some things. Now, I'm not saying this is it. It's going to be over soon. Jesus is coming back, you know, in the next few years. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is things are setting up, and it sure appears like this could be. We are getting closer. Well, that's definite we're getting closer because every day we're getting closer. <laughs> but things are being set up. It does say it's going to be really rough. Renee and I and a few others from this congregation went to Israel in 2017 and we went to, um can't even think of the valley now, it's a vast valley, and we were standing on one side of it looking towards Jerusalem and this area we were at, and I didn't even know, it was built by Solomon, and it was a stable for his horses. And... Uh, They were just ruins now, of course, but he had buildings and things there. And I didn't even know he had that. And it was really cool to be there and how they got water and all this kind of stuff. And we're standing there. And I don't remember if somebody talked about it or or what. But the Bible talks about that valley where the Battle of Armageddon is and blood will be up to the bridle of horses. There was a couple houses down there. I'm like, do these people have any idea? Philippians one twenty nine. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. You glad you came this morning? Philippians 3.10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3-5, and there's a lot in 2 Thessalonians, and this is only a fraction of the even New Testament Scriptures that talks about suffering. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged, and the love of each one of you toward one another grows ever greater. Therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the ecclesias of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, which indeed you are suffering. To keep saying, peace, peace, everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be fine, is false prophecy. And you're not going to hear me say that. Except in reference to once this age is over. Now this last part, I'm going to go through pretty quick. When I enlisted into the military, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, um, I was going into the Air Force. They didn't want me. I ended up going to the Navy. How many of you have ever done this? Probably every hand in the room would go up. You thought you were going to go do one thing, and you end up doing something completely different. And I went in the Navy for one purpose, actually two purposes, and I end up a CB. I, I, I've got to be honest with you, I didn't even know what a CB was. Until I became one. And the CB's in the construction battalion. What we learned, we learned many things, but one of the things I learned about, and I've seen the fighting CB's by John Wayne, so I did have a little understanding. Yeah, John Wayne. But one thing uh, we definitely learned is we learned how to live or to work with a hammer in one hand and a rifle in the other. And I didn't know it then. It took a while of how what God was doing with me as he was giving me spiritual training all through the military. Almost every experience I had, he was training me, but I didn't know it at the time. Like it was years later, I was like, oh yeah, oh, oh my gosh. Then I understood Nehemiah. I don't know. Maybe the CB's got that from Nehemiah because they learned to do what? Build a tool in one hand and a weapon or a sword in the other. And that's what I want to talk to you about for just a couple more minutes and then we'll leave. Is learning... Those two and how to function. Those two aspects. And I'll break it down to be biblical. Because we are called to be a priest and a king. The two parts. Typically, with us humans, we focus on one thing. For instance, when God created the worlds and then he created man and he said, now I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Most people have focused on that part and missed the second part. The second part is that you would take dominion over everything on the earth. Okay? So in there you have a priestly role and a kingly role. And typically the church the church system focuses all on the priestly role. And very little to almost zero on our kingly role. Our priestly role is servants, service to the Lord. Worship, devotion, intimacy, spending time knowing Him, focusing on koinonia. They're all, both of these are very important. We should never do one at the exclusion of the other. But come into more of a fullness of who God's created us to be. But our kingly role is to subdue the earth and rule over it. It is learning to fight for freedom and liberty. At the same time, having devotion in our priestly role. Our priestly role focuses on evangelism, reaching people for the Lord. Our kingly role stops evil in the land. It is said that in the Revolutionary War that only 3% of the population joined the war. That's really incorrect. 3% joined the actual army, the Continental Army. But there were farmers, militia, and bands of people all over that took their weapons off their mantles and out of their closets and went to protect and fight for freedom and liberty. Steve? Yeah. Yep, I think what they saw, and this is my opinion, is the nature of man. The potential for evil within the human heart. Because without the Lord, you gain power, you want more power. You gain money, you want more money. Three things, real quick. Truth. Truth is not a concept, it's a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's truth. These are just three things that I want to throw out at you to, to focus on, because... We had a word to a couple times through a couple different people that the Lord is going to be our navigator. He's going to navigate us through this storm. And we're going to go to the other side. But we're not escaping the storm. I want to highlight that. We're not going to escape it. But what is it that God wants us to do In the middle of it. There is so much. We are are in a war on every front. And one of the main wars is ideas. A war of ideas. Philosophy. Where does the Bible say, and it doesn't say this specifically, but it infers that the battlefield is in our minds. When we're born again, we get a brand new spirit, but then the Bible tells us we have to renew our minds. So we are now the guards, the watchmen on what comes into our minds, what we focus on and what we pay attention to, what we read, what we listen to, what we study, what we gain revelation on. This, we are the guard. In other words, the scripture in Romans twelve would wouldn't tell us that we're to renew our minds. So don't worry about it, God will do it for you. No. And we don't ask God to do what He's telling us to do. That's abdicating our authority that He's given us. He told us to renew our mind. John 14, 17 says, The Spirit of truth, notice this, whom the world cannot receive. Think about that, what's going on in our world right now. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. We must be committed to Him and committed to truth. Not our ideas of truth, not what's coming from others, but Him and His truth. The more we stand and the more we speak truth, the more pressure and attack from the world we're going to receive. Just embrace it. If you think the world's going to love you because you're speaking truth, it's not going to happen. We cannot tolerate lies, deception, and hypocrisy in any way. We must seek the truth. Number two, koinonia, intimate oneness with the Father. That's how we're going to recognize His voice and His leading in all things, is that intimacy with Him. Number three, here's something I really, I've seen over the years, and I think many Christians, I'm not saying anybody in this room, but many Christians are fooled into thinking that they can live their life however they please. God's pleased with them, and all they have to do is pray, and God will take care of everything, and that is ultimate deception. Because in the midst of our prayer, which is nothing more than communication with God, which means it's not just us telling him things, it's listening to what he has to say. In the midst of that, he will give us direction and orders in what we are to do and the part we are to play. And then we have to leave this room or our prayer closet and get out and start doing what he's showing us to do. Without that mobilization, and that's what I've just titled that section, mobilization, doing. How does God's will get accomplished? There's very, very few times where people just, God just t- took care of it. It was always He got men. This is how God takes care of it. He comes to men and speaks to them and shows them what to do. Dear Lord, we would be speaking with a really weird accent and drinking tea if some men didn't go to war and fought for the freedom of this nation. And I am not a tea drinker. I would not be happy. Truth, koinonia, mobilization. When we hear a decree from the Lord, and we hear God's word, it must be enforced in the earth to be realized. I pray for your resolve in the days ahead. the head that we will be resolved to know Him more, to hear His voice more clearly, to seek and pursue truth in koinonia, and then do, regardless of what people think or see, or how we feel about it, we will do what we're hearing and seeing Him speak to us and showing us to do. No matter what the circumstance. I'm going to close with this one last thought. It's obvious, but I want to state it anyway. In my praying a few years ago to this, what I'm talking about. God, what do you want me to do? Because we need to do that personally. What do you want me, what's my part to play now in the time in which we live? And then what is he calling us as a group to do? Well, he spoke to me to get involved in politics. That's my area. That's where he's wanting Me. That's why I ran for office. That's why I'm running again in two years. It's not what I wanted to do. Matter of fact, there's nothing I'm doing for a living that I wanted to do except work on motorcycles years ago. But it's not about me. Why? Because he created me and he created you for his good pleasure, not my own. But in serving him for his good pleasure, I get a lot of pleasure out of that because that's what he created me for. But because that's where he's got me doesn't mean that's where he's got you. Now it does affect the whole congregation, obviously. But where is he calling you? It maybe it's in the business world. You're already in the business world and that's where it's at, or the family mountain, or whatever area, whatever specific place. It's not a time to sit idly by. But it's not a time to go off half cocked and just start doing all kinds of wacky things either. That's what is God saying. So I bless you in these days to come. I am so grateful for the relationships with her. go beyond New Covenant. New covenant's gonna cease to exist one day. It's not eternal. What's eternal is our relationships with one another. Whether you like it or not, if you're born again and I'm born again, we're spending eternity together. You like that, Marion? Marion, do you like that thought that you're gonna spend forever with me? <laughs> <laughs> Bless you, bless you, bless you. In Jesus' mighty name, get out of here and go home. Amen.